Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, Group President, Global Innerwear, Haynes Brands, Joe Cavalier. Hey, what you drink? Okay, guys, we are jumping into another conversation. And if you've been listening, you know that I've been talking with a lot of new friends And uh, this is an opportunity to talk not only to an old friend, but this is actually one of my original, one of my original mentors. This, This guy has been at the forefront of my mind when I think about how to lead people constantly. And we've reconnected periodically throughout our careers. But uh, one of the most meaningful opportunities to connect was when I had an opportunity to get Mr. Joe Cavalier to write the forward to my book. And now he's here on Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. Joe Cavalier, welcome to the room, my man. Great to have you. Uh, Great to be here, Galen. Always a pleasure to reconnect with you. You know, I tell you, man, it's it's been a while since we've talked. And like I said, we've connected off and on. But I don't know if you recall when we first met. I love the way you described it in the forward that you wrote for my book, that we were brought together to test brand new technology to see how it might impact business. We had this crazy idea of leveraging personal computers. <laughs> in business. And that was our test. That was our our mark of fame was to say, yes, personal computers would have an impact on business. So (laughs) we were the first team in General Foods Corporation, right? Makers of Jell-O, Maxwell House coffee, stovetop stuffing, right? To test laptop computers for retail store coverage. And the project was called Project Westchester, named after the Westchester County where uh, General Foods headquarters was. And uh, it was a plum assignment. And I I got the benefit of working with really great people like yourself. And I think it was eight total people. And we got to handpick the best and brightest. Uh, You, of course, were one of those. So great opportunity for all of us. Well, you know, I tell you, I, I'm I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, man. I, I've gotten ahead of myself, and so my my listeners aren't even paying attention yet. 
because I haven't even asked the question that I'm supposed to ask, and that is, so what you drinking? So I'm going to disappoint everybody. Right now, I'm just drinking a big glass of water because I ran today. I'm dehydrated. But as soon as we're done, I'm going to make myself a great old-fashioned. My recipe is bullet rye, nocello, which is an Italian walnut liqueur, dash of orange bitters, and, uh, and an amarino cherry, which are the good Italian cherries. And that's a really great drink, and I highly advise it, with a big, a big ice cube and a nice little rocks glass. Oh my gosh! See, that's that's playing for keeps, man. You 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 sound like you've done this before. <laughs> I've done it often. Well, I tell you, you know, I, I'm gonna. I, gosh, I've got a couple of a couple of whiskeys that I try not to hit very often because once I run out, once they're gone, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and so I, I only reserve them for special occasions. Well, this seems like a special occasion, so I'm gonna break out. Uncle Nearest. I seem like I drink Uncle Nearest every other episode, but this isn't just regular Uncle Nearest because I hit the the 1884, which is really, really good. You know, one of my go-tos is the 1856. I'm actually going to hit the 1820. And the 1820 is uh, an overproof. This one's 111 proof. Uh, It's made by Uncle Nearest, which is a relatively new distillery, Tennessee whiskey. And I actually got a chance to meet the master blender, Miss Victoria Butler. And uh, she is not only the master blender, she is the only female master blender in the world. And she happens to be the great, I don't know how many greats, great, great granddaughter of Nathan Green, who is Uncle Nearest, the former slave who taught Jack Daniels, how to distill whiskey and bourbon. So I'm going to open this up and you'll notice, man, I only got like an inch of this left. And once this is gone, I don't know what I'm going to do. So, but I'm going to. That's an amazing story. So this guy taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to go on record and I've got to get Victoria Butler on this show so that she can tell the story because I, I, I know I'm butchering the story, but but as I remember it, Jack Daniels was trying to get into the whiskey and the bourbon business. And his father said, well, if you're going to do this for real, there's only one person who can teach you. And Nathan Green was assigned to be his tutor uh, in teaching him how to distill bourbon or whiskey. He taught him the process. And uh, I have often said that if if this is what Jack Daniels was supposed to learn how to do, oh my God, Jack Daniels failed miserably because this is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm just going to enjoy this. You know, for those who don't know you, Joe, they've heard me talk about so many different leaders that I work for and work with and that I think about, and they've heard me share things and they don't, they didn't necessarily know where they were coming from. Talk a little bit about your background. Talk a little bit about what you do now and, and the journey that you've been on uh, and so that we can get into this conversation. Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. So um, I have uh, been working for far too long. I won't tell you how many years because it'll just give you, give you an indication how old I am. But 
I love to work. I believe it's a privilege to go to a great place and sell great products. But um, right now, I am the group president of Global Innerwear for Hanes, the underwear company. Some of the brands we have under our portfolio are Hanes, Maidenform, Bally, Playtex, Champion, uh, Dualfold. So some terrific household brands that you most likely grew up with or still use today, I hope. You know, prior to that, I started my career at General Foods Corporation. General Foods became Kraft. Those two companies merged, uh, went from there, ran North American sales for Unilever, went from there to uh, Newell Rubbermaid um, and was the chief global chief customer officer and also was the general manager for, had the P&L responsibility for Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Europe. Uh, and then from there to CNS Wholesale Grocers, which is a, essentially a supply chain company that people hire um, to outsource their supply chain. Uh, and then was recruited here in February of uh, this year to, to come work at Haynes. So I'm only about eight months in at Haynes. And uh, so far, I love it. It's been fabulous. Uh, I've got a great boss who's the CEO, a guy named Steve Braspies, who's a former chief merchandiser at Walmart. And the people I've gotten to work with here are just outstanding. They're just very motivated, um, dedicated, good people. And uh, we're beginning to go on a really good roll here. So really excited. So thanks for asking that. Yeah. So, I mean, as we get into this conversation, you know, one of the things a lot of people ask me is, you know, what's up with the name of the show? I mean, we know that you're a leadership dude. Every conversation I have seems to somehow tie into leadership, but whiskey, jazz, and leadership, what, what's the connection? And for me, the connection is, you know, whiskey is just a social drink that I love personally. Just me personally, that's something that I love. But metaphorically, it means doing what you love with people who love it, regardless of what other people might think about it, right? Just finding that thing that you're passionate about. And jazz, for me, just represents finding a way to make things nice, make things work, even when you don't have sheet music. Even when you don't have things scripted out, you still have to get to a point where things work. For me, that's what jazz means. And leadership, for me, just continues to come back to, and I don't know if I got this from you many, many years ago or not, but leadership uh, for me means that nothing happens until somebody does something. And there has to be someone that says, we're going to do this thing differently. We're going to do this thing the same way. We're going to do this thing regardless of how scary it might be, but nothing happens until somebody does something. And so for me, those three just kind of fit together. But, you know, I, I want to check in with you, Joe. How, how does that fit with what you've experienced? Just how does that analogy fit? I, I think it's a really good analogy. You know, the way I think about life is your whole life is about a gradual self-discovery of who you are, right? You think you have, a, some people think they haven't figured out when they're younger. I thought I probably did, and I, I, was, I was so wrong, right? Uh, what you thought, who you thought you were, who you were trying to be, you know, eventually you become your authentic self. And I think if you can get to that point, not everybody gets there, 
being the best version of who you are, then I think you self-actualize. And I think, I think everything falls into place. But I think you continue to discover things about yourself. And I ask this question on interviews to people. I'm like, you know, so what, what gives you energy and what takes energy from you? Because I think that's a window into the soul of people, right? You know, so you just talked about three things that give you energy, right? Whiskey, jazz, and leadership. That's why you're doing it and you're good at it. It gives you pleasure and it's authentically gambling. That's how that resonates with me. The one, the one example I do when I, I use when I mentor young people is I talk about um, when I was early in my career, I was petrified of public speaking. I mean, to the point where I would go out of my way to avoid the opportunity to speak publicly. And I realized that in order to be successful in the career I had chosen, I was going to eventually have to get over it. I was kind enough to have good leaders and they sent me to Dale Carnegie and I worked on it. And one of the commitments you make at Dale Carnegie is that every opportunity you get, you get to public speak, you're going to get up and do it. Even if you're afraid, you're never going to be shy away from that opportunity. If you keep at it, you're going to be, you'll eventually maybe still be nervous, but you'll become reasonably competent at it and that'll help you. And you know what? I did. You know, I realized, and I, I had the opportunity to speak in front of 15,000 people, um, many different times, many different venues, you know, globally when I was at Unilever to different groups and at Newell with translators in different countries. And while I still get extremely nervous and I, ha- I over-prepare to get me over those nerves, it gives me an incredible amount of energy, right? I realize the prep and the fear of failure makes me sharp, makes me think of things I wouldn't have. And when I get up on the stage, it all seems to come together. And so giving you energy is not always what's in your comfort zone. It's the stuff that makes you feel alive. And that, and that could be stuff that makes you, you know, flat out nervous as hell, right? You know, I think it's why we're on this earth is to press ourselves and to become a little bit better every day. Wow. I mean, I, that is so true. I mean, you know, I, I have been fond of saying that growth rarely comes in comfortable places, but you've got to find that things that give that thing that gives you energy and just be willing to step into that room although you might not you might not know what's on the other side of that door you know one of the things you talked about earlier and this was our first our first time together was project westchester and uh let me let me set the stage for my audience we've got this market that surrounds the corporate headquarters of the company that we work for. And, you know, the story goes that marketers would always go into the marketplace and say, well, the reason why my brand isn't doing well is because the sales team has not done what they were supposed to do in the geography right around the headquarters. And the sales VP, Mr. Rich Wozolowski, came up with this idea, why don't I just assemble this team of killers (laughs) to go out and get these marketers off my back and just create amazing conditions right around the corporate headquarters. And who cares if this looks nothing like the rest of the country, you know, at least around the headquarters, (laughs) these marketers are going to get off my back. So Joe Cavalier being the top killer in the country, right at that point, you were assigned to head this team and you brought in, you know, all these uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, just 
we were obnoxiously arrogant, <laughs> thinking <laughs> thinking that we could just, you know, do all kinds of things. And we delivered some pretty amazing results. And this is the thing that I reflect on constantly when I'm in leadership situations. We all believed that we were superheroes. And, you know, none of us were more than two or three years out of college ourselves. We didn't know anything, but yet we all believed that we were superheroes. And as I reflect back on it now, I, I came across this quote that reminded me of that. And the quote is Lao Tzu. And he says, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. So how did you embody that when you had all of these kids, I can say that now because I'm talking about myself, and you had to harness this energy that we had, but still give us the freedom to think that we were superheroes? I don't know. <laughs> I will say first and foremost, I, I think I was very fortunate. We had a really good group of people. I'm not great in any one thing. I I am good at a lot of different things. And I, I continue to work on everything to this day. But I've always respected and loved people and are motivated by smart, good people, which we had. You know, I think what a leader has to do is set up the framework and the objectives. And I think we set that up really well. You And you played a pivotal role in helping us leverage computers and be able to create the spreadsheets to measure the results, which was instrumental, really. Remember, remember a file combined. It was like <laughs> it was Lotus. It was Lotus. It wasn't even Excel. And it was, it was the break. I remember when you did that. It was the break. For, I remember like, wow, this guy figured that out. It saved hours, right? Combining all these files. But things like that. So letting people engage recognizing their talent, setting up the framework, setting really aggressive goals and getting in the boat with them, I think is what we did together. You know, I wasn't that much older than you guys, right? I just, I'd been, been at a key account. So um, I was learning a lot. Remember, we did have Tom Clark, who was a wily old veteran, <laughs> who was actually taught me a lot of things because he was unsurpassed in terms of some of the things he knew about the store and how to interact. So I think the true definition of diversity, everybody has a contribution to make and let them do it as a leader. And I think that's what that group was, um, you know, recognizing people's strengths and weaknesses and uh, let them run. And, and we did. We nailed it. We did a great job. And it was it was a whole lot of fun. You know, one of the things that I, I hear and I see from a lot of young leaders, and I'm going to admit that I. I did this myself when I led my first team. There's a temptation to say, hey, look, I've done this before. Let me show you how it's done. As a matter of fact, this is a big opportunity. Let me come in and, and just do this and you watch me. And you talked about the fact that you weren't much older than us, but yet you had a lot more experience. But I don't remember you ever saying, hey, let me show you how it's done. Just sit on the sideline and maybe you can learn something. You had the wherewithal, the confidence to let us get in, try some things, make some mistakes. If we made a mistake and then say, okay, well, let's take a look at what happened. Let's try not to make that exact same mistake again, as opposed to jumping in on the front end to save the day. Where did that confidence at that age come from? 
And how has that attribute stayed with you as you have moved throughout your career? I get motivated in jazz by putting points on the board. That's why I like business. And you don't know when you start what you're going to like, right? I felt that my job was to produce results. And as long as I produced results, my career would take care of itself, right? All the politics between who likes who, you know, who shows up, who looks better, all that goes away. And the only thing that's not subject to interpretation are is results. And so that's been the story of what I focused on in my career. And I, I've always had a good instinct on cutting, cutting through the bullshit to say what really matters, right? Mm-hmm. And so by focusing on the results and giving the team framework to say, guys, go get it done. By the way, that was a highly motivated team that with very little prod, and you may not remember this as well as I do, that team, that team was just a great team, right? A bunch of young bucks and one Wiley veteran who was outstanding and Tom, you know, going, getting it done. So, you know, as soon as I saw that that was, you know, you guys were on track, I got out of the way in a lot of it and, and actually just fold up my sleeves as a partner to help solve problems or get your resources where you might need it because it was working. You know, had had things gone awry, maybe I wouldn't have been as so hands-off. Um, and it's funny you remember it that way because I don't, I don't remember myself being as hands-off and I'm glad you do remember. It must have given you the leeway and the confidence that, you know, that I had the confidence in you uh, to do the job. Because well, I did, by the way. So there were people that were clearly better at certain things than others. And I tried to leverage that. And uh, hopefully in a way that everybody felt they were making a contribution. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.